Welcome to Time After Time, a non-sponsored, highly judgmental podcast about time travel and love and friendship and the movies that bring them together into our living rooms. I'm Helena and I'm Paige. And maybe in an alternate timeline, you've already listened to this podcast and you loved it. Let's go. I mean, there already is a song. Say, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Nice. 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 Um, We love an ABBA moment. Yeah. And clearly, whoever wrote this movie also does. Also loves an ABBA moment. Even though I think the song is like six, I do. So I think the title of the song is like, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Which would be better because there are definitely more than three loops. Mm. But it would be very difficult for people. I I think three is the maximum. (laughs) For the marketing team? For the marketing team. Also, um, the song itself is just called Three I Do's, right? No, I'm saying I think the song has... I think the title of the song. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, I would like to see that. Thank you. See? Oh, you're right. Five. Wow. That's too many. I think we can all agree. <laughs> no, I think the I think it's more. I think more. Wait, is that how many they sing in the chorus? Say, say I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. There's six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess there's five after the big, like the first say one. Say I do. Mm-hmm. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. I guess they're just counting the the ones on the downswing. Right. Which is fair. I feel like it should be, I do, parentheses, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Oh my god, I love that. That would be great. Also, too bad this movie didn't have enough of a budget to put that song in, that the, song credits. in the credits. Because, come on, we were yeah. all waiting for it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if you haven't figured it out yet, <laughs> the movie we're doing this week is... I do, I do, I do. Really want to keep going. Yeah, me too. It's a, a Hallmark original, but not a um, not a Christmas one. Not a Christmas one, no. We're getting close, though, guys. Get excited. We have, so we're doing this one, and then we have a special Halloween coming up. Spooky season. Uh, and then we're going to launch straight, straight into to Christmas, because by the time our... Next episode comes out after the Halloween episode. It's mid-November. Yeah. It's so Christ- that's Christmas. It's Christmas time. If uh, CBS says it's Christmas time, <laughs> so can our podcast. Yeah. And we don't have any, as far as I know, we don't have any Thanksgiving time loop movies. So. Not that I know of. If anybody knows of one, please let us know. Thanksgiving Hol- is not like a big like movie. Um, well, it's funny you say that. Hold on. Wait for Blast of the Past. <laughs> okay. Can't <laughs> wait. Put a pin in that and let's move on to the summary. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Cool female architect Jacqueline Palmer is showing off the newly finished children's hospital wing that she designed to her sister, Kate, when they are interrupted by the arrival of an ambulance. Inside it, on a stretcher, is her boyfriend, handsome surgeon slash best-selling author Peter Lorenzo. Before Jacqueline can fully process what's happening, Peter springs up from the stretcher, reveals that he is wearing a tuxedo and is perfectly fine, and proposes to Jacqueline. She is kind of freaked out because they have only been together for five months, but she says yes and agrees to marry him on Valentine's Day in two weeks' time. Also, he films the whole proposal and immediately uploads it to YouTube for his adoring fans. Jacqueline and her sister travel to the wedding location, a resort where Peter and his family like to vacation. It's immediately clear that Jacqueline will have no say in anything about this wedding. Every detail has already been decided for her by Peter's overbearing mother, Margaret. 
After being forced to try on Margaret's old wedding gown, Jacqueline decides she needs to take matters into her own hands. While trying to bike to the bridal store in town, Jacqueline gets lost in the woods and falls off her bike, breaking it and getting a bit scraped up. It's in this state that she encounters a mysterious hunky stranger who agrees to help her find her way back. On their way, he randomly claims he's getting too hot and dives off a cliff into the river, causing Jacqueline to be like, OMG, you're so impulsive, and also, I'm afraid of the water and can't swim, and him to be like, maybe you're afraid to fall, or something like that. He needles her about being too uptight, and then eventually surprise kisses her. But she's clearly super into it, but is freaked out because she's getting married tomorrow, and before she can tell him what's up, he just disappears back into the woods. Spooky season. (laughs) It's a Halloween movie after all. Yeah. She finds her way out of the woods and goes to the rehearsal dinner where she once again encounters, you guessed it, mysterious hunky wood stranger. Ooh. In a shocking twist that no one could have predicted, it turns out that mysterious hunky wood stranger is actually her fiance's brother, Max. What? In a very ill-fitting suit. Oh, God. His suit fits so badly. Since her courtship with Peter was so short and Max lives in Africa doing some kind of Doctors Without Borders deal, Jacqueline and Max never met before. Jacqueline ditches the engagement party early, you know, as you do when you've made out with your fiancé's brother. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) And goes back to her room. Before she falls asleep, her sister tells her that if she wakes up tomorrow and doesn't feel like it's the happiest day of her life, she and Jacqueline should leave before the wedding happens because otherwise you, quote unquote, don't get a do-over. It's true. You only get married once. It's true of everybody in the world. Okay. The next morning, Jacqueline wakes up and is immediately whisked into hair and makeup, supervised by Margaret. Her sister arrives wearing an extremely pink bridesmaid dress. She goes through the day of the wedding looking somewhat miserable, gets red wine poured down her dress, is forced to dance in front of everyone even though she hates dancing, and finally flops into bed saying, I wish I could get a do-over. At that moment, the video of Peter proposing hits 1 million views. Which is portrayed as significant, but we never hear about it again. So I don't know what that's about. It's magical. (laughs) The following day, she wakes up and it's her wedding day again. Her wish came true. Who could have guessed? But she doesn't seem to like remember that she wished it. So Mm -hmm. Uh, she tells everyone around her what is happening, but no one believes her. And she talks it up to a weird dream or deja vu. She goes through her wedding day acting a little kooky, but makes it through. During the next time loop, she tells Max about her time loop issues and she skips the wedding. He believes her because he's been to Africa. (laughs) Put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. (laughs) They end up falling asleep together by a fire. She wakes up the next day, slash the day before, in her bed, still in the loop. During the next series of time loops, she decides to use her days to learn new skills. First, Max teaches her to not be afraid of water. Then he teaches her how to dance. And finally, she teaches herself how to speak Italian without any help from him. Once she's a fully self-actualized, swimming, dancing Italian speaker, she decides she's going to improve the wedding itself. She takes her sister into town to taste wedding cakes, try on dresses, and pick less ugly flowers. She and her sister have a heart-to-heart about their parents dying in a car accident. She declares to the universe, if I have to live one day over and over again, I pick this one, because she loves spending time with her sister. It's cute. Be cute. She wakes up the following day, and this time, she does the wedding exactly as she wants to. It looks like a much more fun wedding, but Peter and Margaret are obviously not into it because they're weird controlling monsters. At the end of the wedding, she heads out to the spot where she and Max always hang out and he joins her. He asks her why she married his brother and she says she thinks that they have a good chance at being happy. He calls her a coward, which is honestly rude, but whatever. 
She goes home and cries herself to sleep because, honestly, Max is right. And she doesn't love the new husband, who, to be fair, sucks. Also, at this wedding, she gets to eat a burger and fries, which is nice. Because, uh, also, we'll get into it, but her husband um, doesn't let her eat any fun food. Which, he's a weird controlling monster. (laughs) We have a lot to say about it. (laughs) For the next series of loops, she decides she's just going to spend the day with Max. They walk in the woods, have picnics, and basically date each other. He tells her that when Peter's not sure about something, he bites his lip. She rewatches the engagement video and realizes that Peter bit his lip. So he never really wanted to get married in the first place. That day, she dumps him at the altar, where he bites his lip again, uh, and tells him that she wants crazy stupid love, more or less. He admits that he didn't really want to get married anyway, which, you know, we already knew because of the lip biting. <laughs> And the only reason he wanted to, was going to marry her was because his mother convinced him that getting married would uh, up his chances of becoming the chief of the hospital, which is a thing that makes sense in only like this movie and Rugrats go to Paris. So, <laughs> Is that a plot line in Rugrats go to Paris? Yes, it is. I know I have, have. We could put a pin in that as well. We're going to have to. <laughs> they part ways on pretty good terms, considering that she dumped him in front of everyone he knows and loves. Rugrats Who, go to Paris is like... A real vibe. That movie was great. Yeah. Um, Also, everyone he knows and loves and who she will have to see again because she's going to marry Hey, no spoilies. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Later that night, Jacqueline finds Max at their favorite spot. She tells him that they've been on a hundred walks and talked for a thousand hours. He tells a story about being a white savior in Africa. They kiss and then fall asleep. The next morning, they wake up cuddling in the same spot. The time loop is over. She screams about it being the happiest day of her life and then takes him to the spot where he first jumped off the cliff into the river. They jump in together. We cut to their wedding day in the exact same place with the exact same priest and the same wedding dress, apparently, for some reason. And then it ends on a title card that reads, they lived happily ever after, no two days being the same. The end. The end. That's the end. I do, I do, I do. You know? Yeah. I did, I did, I did. (laughs) Which brings us to Blast from the Past. There's really only one fun fact about this, but it it, it felt worth it. So I'm excited. Let's hear it. The Hallmark fun facts are always the weirdest. (laughs) Like we said, this movie premiered on Hallmark. Um, It came out on February 6th, 2015 as part of their five original films in their inaugural Countdown to Valentine's Day lineup. Oh, they were trying to make that a thing, weren't they? Yeah. It feels like it should be a thing. It makes sense. Know. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. This didn't really feel like a Valentine's Day movie. It they just not. kept saying the wedding was on Valentine's Day, but it was... They weren't somewhere where the weather reflected that, and... Um, well, yeah, because it looked like they were in British Columbia. Like, they looked like they were in Vancouver, where they <laughs> undoubtedly shot this movie, and... That would be cold around Valentine's Day, but it was not. Yeah. And that's fine. It's just like <laughs> no part of this felt like Valentine's Day, except that at one point he was like, we're going to get married on Valentine's Day. So I guess they had to put that in there for marketing. <laughs> anyway, the fun fact is that Autumn Reeser, who plays Jacqueline, Antonio Cupo, who plays Peter Lorenzo, the guy she's supposed to marry, and Allie Liebert, who plays her sister Kate, were all in another Hallmark movie together. Mm-hmm. 
playing like basically the same characters except well the guy who played Peter Lorenzo was like her actual love interest okay not her not her fake love fake interest bad boyfriend <laughs> right. that they always have to have so yeah Autumn Reeser and Antonio Cupo were the main couple and Allie Liebert who plays her sister in this movie played like her best friend in that movie ugh Poor Allie Liebert. She deserves her own love story with, with uh, what's his name, Antonio Cupo. <laughs> um, anyway, that movie from 2012 was called Love at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. No! <laughs> oh, that's terrible. How awful. So when you were like, Thanksgiving doesn't really lend itself to romantic movies i guess it does i guess i've been proved wrong by this cast uh the summary reads as follows (laughs) please the organizer of chicago's thanksgiving day parade is furious when a consultant is brought in to take charge of the event's finances thinking he's only interested in profit oh yeah he doesn't care about the magic of thanksgiving (laughs) when she suffers an unexpected crisis she finds support in her previously unwanted colleague and begins to fall for him wow Thank goodness. You want to uh, watch this clip? I mean, or yeah, this preview, of course. Rather? Yes. To work with this guy. The parade may depend on it. From the moment they met. The parade isn't about money. They felt they were perfectly wrong for each other. We don't have to like each other, but we do have to work together. So obnoxious. It's totally hard. Love. Wait, is this a period piece? Slash work thing sounds like a date to me. Marches to a heartbeat all its own. Live in the moment and see what happens. Love at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. An all-new premiere, Sunday, November 4th at 8. Part of Countdown to Christmas Preview Weekend on Hallmark Channel. The heart of TV. Wait, it's part of Countdown to Christmas Preview Weekend. <laughs> also, was it a period piece? They were, like, wearing coats and, like, little pillbox hats? I mean, we do still wear coats. No, no, they were wearing, like, vintage-looking yes. coats. They were wearing vintage Like, she was wearing a very vintage-looking dress. It, they were dressed like it was a period piece, but she was holding a very modern-looking microphone at one point. Yeah, and also they had, like, a modern-looking office. Very strange. As always, mm-hmm. Hallmark. Very strange. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. And thank goodness Ali Liebert was there to be like, I thought you hated him. That guy who's hot is hot. <laughs> she did a great job in both these movies saying that. Uh, justice for Ali Liebert. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. That's it. I just right. needed you to know about Love at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I'm really glad you told me about it. I also love how they, it couldn't be like the Thanksgiving Day Parade. It had to be Chicago's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Of course. Yeah, because they couldn't get the sponsorship from Macy's. Magic, science, just a dream. Here's where we talk about the hows and the whys of the time travel. Uh, I will say most of my notes for this movie are on the back end, like romance and feminism. So Yeah, I mean, the time travel itself is kind of just classic time loop. Yes. There's nothing all that interesting about it. This is YouTube magic. (laughs) (laughs) Viral video magic. But also, like, it's not clear why that's the thing that does it, or if it is. Well, it pans, the camera pans pretty deliberately. She says, I wish I could have a do-over, as the, and the camera pans, and the proposal video goes from, like, 999,999 <laughs> views to, click, 1 million. So if you wish upon a YouTube video right as it turns, do, does that mean that your wish comes true? Or... I- or alternatively, do you have to like be in the YouTube video? I was gonna say that. Do you I have think, to be the star of the YouTube video? I think video? you have to be the star of the YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I can't just like sit around with a random YouTube video and be like, please, 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 please. I think you have to be the star of the YouTube video and your sister has to have said something cryptic about a do-over like earlier that day. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. And I also think you have to be about to marry the wrong guy who has a very handsome brother that you should be marrying. Instead, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this is all tracking because for me. Because, you know, as, as Max tells us in the villages that he works in in Africa... <laughs> They believe, this is their direct, I'm direct quoting, they oh, believe God. there are whole worlds going on around us that we don't see and we're given clues that guide us in our everyday lives. Oh my and God. some clues are harder for us to understand. Oh my God. I literally, I wanted to crawl out of my own skin when he was saying that. <laughs> horrible, horrible. But yeah, I guess that's the explanation. Mm-hmm. She, she's in a cosmic loop. She needs to break the cycle. And it's, uh, you know what? I, I think all, I think the, the villagers in Africa would be like, yes, YouTube magic. They would be like, yeah, it's YouTube magic. Yeah, you're, you're so right. They, they would get it. Um, to get out of the loop, well, because it's not that she needs to, like, not get married, because I think there are some loops where she, like, does not go to the wedding. Right. It seems like she just needs to, like, decide that it's Max. Well, I think she needs to actually call off the wedding, right? Mm-hmm. The day she doesn't go to the wedding, it's sort of like, if she makes it to tomorrow, she's still going to be with Peter. Right, right. Well, I don't know. She's going to have to have a weird conversation. She's going to have to have a really weird conversation. Also, like, why didn't anybody find her the days that she, like, did not go to her own wedding? It cannot be a big place. It's a great question. (laughs) That's a great consistency issue, which means we should move on to what have you done? Here's where we talk about our consistency plot hole issues, such as why didn't anybody find her her at this small resort? Or Max, right? Like, right. someone's going to be like, hey, I can't find Jacqueline. I can't find Max. Maybe they're together and we should find them. <laughs> Maybe they're doing something incredibly uh, stupid. Also, it's 2015. Should we text them? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we all have cell phones. Although they did establish that there's not great cell service in this, in this okay, little town. Okay, fair, so. fair, fair. Yeah. True. Okay, fine. Fine. <laughs> At least they acknowledge cell phones exist in this movie. As opposed to some other Hallmark movies we've watched. Oh, oh, sorry. Did you want to keep talking about how does she break the loop? Because I think the answer is just like, yeah, she has to officially call off the wedding. She has to both set the boundaries with Peter and pick Max. Yeah, but I think she like picks Max every time she doesn't get married and goes on a date with Max. Yeah, that's probably true. But they don't like kiss, I don't think. Not that we yeah. see anyway. But I, I think it would be strange if they were kissing and we weren't seeing it. Yeah. Also, I feel like Max should be asking more questions when this girl that's supposed to be marrying his brother shows up at his door and is like, instead of marrying your brother, do you want to go on a hike? <laughs> or like, maybe she does marry him. Like, maybe they, because she talks about how she goes through with this wed- the wedding a lot. I don't know. Maybe she is like, she's going on a bike ride with him for a couple hours and then going and getting married. I mean, I think there are some days that she does that for sure. Yeah. But there, there is at least one loop that we see where she, she doesn't. She does yeah. not. It's like the first one where he talks about how the Africans understand. <laughs> right. And they fall, they both, they fall asleep together. And I also was, cause she's like, oh, maybe I can break the loop by not going, doing the same things, not going back to that room. What if we like stay up all night by this lake? Obviously, they fall asleep, but I'm like, what if you do, right? What if you stay up all night? This is very early on, right? What if you stay up all night at this lake? How are you going to explain to Peter tomorrow that instead of marrying him, you hung out with his brother all night by this lake? Right, right. It's a great question. (laughs) That's just like, I just, I feel like 
she should have brought up or Max should have brought up. Because here's the thing. Before they fall in love, if she is bailing on this wedding, mm-hmm. fine, whatever. She gets to sort of just like drift away because another consistency thing, nobody but her sister is at this wedding that knows her. Yes, this is a huge <laughs> thing for me. The The whole time, like, I was like, where are her parents? And why hasn't well, their parent is dead. Her well, parents yeah, but, are dead. Yes, but they didn't have a line about that until like three quarters of the way through the movie. And mm-hmm. I was like, just throw in any line about how... It's so tragic that, like, our parents died in the, the molasses factory accident, like... <laughs> of 1912. <laughs> yeah, shout out to molasses in January. If you know, you know. Um, but, not, like, look up the, like, great molasses incident that happened in Boston in the early 1900s. It's fascinating. fascinating. Very anyway. interesting. Right, right material for a musical, if I say so myself. But, yeah, like, it was just so weird that they, like, didn't address it until, like, three quarters of the way through the movie. That she has no friends, apparently. Sure. And no family members at all yes even if your parents are dead you could have other family members any friends a single friend i think maybe for being gracious to the movie the idea was it was going to be like a 10 person dinner she thought it was going to be a very small wedding she didn't didn't bother bother to invite anyone because it was like maybe 10 people and then it was like this whole thing but if I'm her, then I'm way more pissed when I show up. Oh my God, and I'm, I'm like, furious. none of my friends get to come, but you have like a hundred of your family members yeah, here completely. that I don't know. The whole the whole setup is very fucked. Yeah. Like from the very beginning. And we can, I think there's a better section to talk about sure. all the ways in which this relationship is fucked. Yeah. But yeah, her not having any friends at the wedding and also never mentioning why she mm-hmm. has no parents. Uh, my most major consistency issue is, again, this is, we've established YouTube magic, the YouTube hits a million views at that night, right? The night of after the wedding uh-huh. hits a million views. Yes. It, it has to happen that way. There's one loop where we see her, when we see her watching the proposal video to see whether or not he bites his lower lip while she's getting her hair and makeup done. So it's early in the day of the, the loop day. Yeah. And the video has over a million views. <gasps> oh my God, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Wait, no. No, though, because... Nope. No, the day... Nope. Nope, you can't do it. No, no, I I can, because the time that it hits a million views is the day before. Nope. Yes, it is. Nope. Nope. It's the night of the wedding, because she says, I wish I could have a do-over. Oh, fuck, you're right. No, you're right, you're right. Well, that... that, That's a big hole. Good job, Paige. Mm -hmm. Thank you. They just didn't... They just didn't do the art right. Like, they fucked that up. Yeah. Fire someone. Fire someone. Although, to be honest, I really hope the person working at the art department for Hallmark in 2015, I hope they've moved on by now. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that for them, too. Although, maybe it's like a really cushy gig and, you know, they can feed their family and then do other stuff on the side. Sure. You know? Maybe. Maybe they've gone to GAC. Perhaps. (laughs) Perhaps. With Candace Cameron Burr. (laughs) Again, if you know, you know. (laughs) We will not be explaining. Um, I believe we have explained. I know, but we're not explaining again. That's what I'm saying. Okay, can we talk about, like, the elements of this wedding that don't make sense? Great. Yes, please. First of all, the fact that, like, okay, she has her wake-up call, right? Which was Mm -hmm. clearly... uh, I don't know if she set the wake-up call or if Margaret did. I think she said it because when she gets it on the the first time that the loop resets, she says, I didn't uh, didn't order another wake-up call. Okay, so she said it the first time. Um, Margaret bursts in, like, two minutes later, Mm -hmm. not 30 seconds after she is awake, and puts her in the chair to start doing her hair and makeup immediately. 
what if she wants to take a shower? Okay. If it's my wedding day and I wake up and, and she's still wearing her clothes from the night before. Mm-hmm. I also took a big issue with this. Not only is she wearing her clothes from the night before, she didn't take off her makeup from the night before. Yeah. And, and they're just starting to do everything. I'm like, this girl needs a fucking shower. They do this a lot, particularly in Hallmark movies, where they let people fall asleep in their clothes and their makeup. She, she does this <laughs> twice in this movie. She does it both in her black dress the night before her wedding and then in her wedding dress the oh, night after yeah. her wedding. And she looks perfect. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't care about that. Sure, consistency issue, but that's like every movie, right? You wake yeah, up with yeah. perfect. It is, uh, maybe this is a feminism issue. Terrible message to send to women. Take off your makeup before you go to bed, ladies. You gotta if do you it. take nothing away from this, from this podcast, take off your makeup before you go to bed. <laughs> it's better for your skin. It's better for the pillows. Also, it's just, yeah, you could get a sty. There's all sorts of things that could happen. I also, yes. Also, gotta just clean like, those faces. But yes, also it doesn't make sense. They, I think they would look at her and be like, you're already wearing makeup. What's happening? <laughs> What's going on here? Someone get me a wipe. Yeah. <laughs> Another issue that I took with the consistency in the wedding. It's very clear that Margaret has chosen deep purple and gold to be the colors of mm-hmm. this wedding. She has also obviously given uh, the sister character a shocking pink dress, which clashes with her deep purple color scheme. Yeah, well, Margaret is is just like bad at aesthetics. But everything else is purple. (laughs) Yeah. Why wouldn't Margaret give her a purple dress? Give her a purple dress because she's clearly obsessed with purple. Because Margaret's wearing a purple dress and Margaret wants to be special. I don't know. I, I feel like if she really wanted to be special, she would wear the pink dress. I just, no. I, Margaret seems to have a real vision for this wedding. It's not a good vision, but it is a vision, and mm-hmm. I don't understand why she picked that. Sure. Agreed. Also, why didn't she get her son a better fitting suit? That's a great question. If she's so worried about maybe, the aesthetics of this wedding. Maybe because he was in Africa, and so she doesn't know his size. Okay, I have a very nitpicky consistency issue with this wedding. Okay, give me more. So this thing happens every time they do their first dance, uh, and then the DJ is like, okay, now family on the floor. And this thing happens, it does happen at weddings, right? Where like the mom pulls the groom to dance and the father Mm -hmm. pulls the bride to dance. Yeah. But that's how it happens, right? right? Like the family comes onto the floor and the mom pulls the group to dance and the father pulls the bride to dance. Right. Yes. So, but this movie really, really wants Jacqueline to dance with Max, the brother. They right. really want it to be like, whoops, how this oh, no, has now to they're, happen. Now, now they're, they're dancing. dancing. So every single time they want us to believe that the decisions that this family would make would be that the mom would take the groom, the father would like walk out with Kate and decide to start dancing with Kate, the sister, and like just leave the bride to be like, does no one want to dance with me before Max (laughs) swoops in to save her? This family is just like very weird. Like everything about this family is fucking weird. Also, I loved how like the third fourth day I don't know where she like tries to tell them what's going on and they think she's either crazy or on drugs Margaret brings in a doctor and I'm like both your sons are doctors yes I was like what's happening here (laughs) and then they bring in this random other guy who's like wearing a wearing a little white coat and has a stethoscope (laughs) very strange like if you don't want Peter to see her before the wedding which clearly is not the issue because Peter's also there 
Right, right. They t- they say the thing about like you can't see the bride on the wedding day, but he's there, and it's like already happened. It's the ship has sailed. But even you know, there's something you could bring Max in and be like, Doctor Son, you went to Harvard. You went to Harvard. Right. Speaking of doctors, why does the mom think that Max is like a, a burnout bum. when he like is a full doctor and like has a job? Because she's she's all about status. That's why she wants Peter to be the chief of the hospital. It's weird, though, because you think she'd be like, oh, it's cool, he's a best-selling author, he's famous, but she is like, no, you need to be the chief of the hospital, you're not a success. And with her other son, she's like, she literally says, she says, he's chosen to use his Harvard education as an unknown poor humanitarian. Who does such a thing? Okay. She's like, so weird. Margaret be Margaret, you know? Margaret, Margaret's being Margaret. You can't, you can't stop her. She's really the heart of this movie. Yeah, and you know what? She's still going to end up being Jacqueline's mother-in-law, so. It's true. I don't know why, after seeing her behavior, you would ever want to marry into this family. In any way. If I, if I'm like, I love Max, I need to be with Max, I'm like, Max, we are going, we're moving to Africa, we are never coming back to yeah, this country. Yeah, we are obviously going to uh, elope and never see your mother again. Why would you, okay, why would you get oh. married, why would you not only marry into his family, but marry into his family at his family's vacation home where they have planned this horrible wedding for you? I just... It's so bad. I I don't know. In the same cursed wedding dress that you had to go through a thousand failed weddings in. I I don't understand. I guess she she was like, this is the one I picked for myself. But like, presumably, presumably, we don't know if this is true. Do you think Max, I mean, this is kind of spilling into the next category, but do you think Max and um, Jacqueline dated for a while? Or did they just go straight to getting married? You think it's like the day of? You think they pulled a Mamma Mia? I think they, maybe they did. Ooh. Okay, if they pulled Mamma Mia, that is the only way that the fact that she's in the same dress at the same venue is acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I hope they didn't. I mean, here's the thing. On her end, I get that it's fine. They they took a thousand walks. They talked for a thousand hours. Totally. Okay, now we're spilling into the next category. All right, so let's do it. (laughs) Does their love stand the test of time? Here's where we talk about the romance of it all. Does their love stand the test of time? That was, that was a nice reading. Thank I you. liked that. I mean, we could just jump right back to that question if you want. Yeah. So, like, what you were saying before we before we transitioned is on her end, she knows him very well. On his right. end, he does not know this woman. <laughs> well, he, again, we're back in territory of he has, like, these feelings, right? He has right. these residual right. feelings that nobody else seems to have. It's just him. I'm not sure if this is a case of residual feelings a la meet cute. I think it's more, I think it's more the fact that like she knows, she seems to know him so well that he feels like immediately comfortable with her because, because she like knows how to interact with him. Well, no, because the day that he says to her, we've just met and I feel like we've taken a hundred long walks and talked for a thousand hours, but Peter's my brother and I are his wife and this can't be real. The day he says that to her, they have spent no time together because mm-hmm. that's the day that she is decides making, to do that. decides to do the wedding like mm-hmm. her way. Mm-hmm. So she spent the whole morning like getting everything to do the wedding her way, and like they probably interacted not a, that much. a brief amount at the wedding, but right. they don't interact until the moment that he comes 
to see her after they've already gotten married. So the only way I think to interpret that is that he like feels this like deep connection with her that he doesn't know how to explain. Okay, okay. I, I guess I buy that. The movie wants us to chalk it up to this like deep love connection where he's like feeling the residual effects of all the time they spent together. Maybe he he's the only one that can feel it because of this love connection. Maybe it's because he's more spiritual because he spent time in Africa. He spent time in Africa, okay? <laughs> Cannot get over that. <laughs> So I don't know, but for whatever reason, the the shit is sticking to him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he feels it, which is like, is nice because otherwise some of the times she would seem real nuts to him, especially the time where she's like, we're going to have a picnic. You love beets. <laughs> <laughs> which I also took issue with from a consistency perspective, because I don't think you go from hating beets to loving beets. Based on one interaction with beets. I would say they're an acquired taste and people have yeah, very strong opinions like about them. I'm I don't a- know a single person who like doesn't have a strong opinion about beets. I mean, I guess maybe he was just remembering them from a very long time ago and hadn't tried them in a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know about don't that. Know. But as someone who doesn't like beets, I can't imagine putting Suddenly, them in my mouth and liking them. Yeah. Just because some lady told you you would. <laughs> it was interesting watching this right after watching Meet Cute because I did worry that they were going to run into a meet-cute problem because she was doing the same thing, right? Where they were having a first date every day for, like, what seemed like months. Mm -hmm. They went on 100 walks and talked for 1,000 hours, okay? And it's like, sure, yes, they're doing slightly different things, and she's telling... It seems like a lot of the time she's telling him about the loop. And he believes her. And he believes her. But still, you're going to run into the same issue where, like, He's going to tell the same, like, five stories he usually tells when he's first getting to know somebody. And he's going to ask you the same questions over and over because he doesn't know these things about you. And you're going to be on a first date. Like, even if you're telling slightly, even if you get to a slightly different story or if she asks you different questions, like, if she asks him different questions to talk about different things, he still doesn't know new things about her until she tells him. So you're still running into the first date where she's on, like, a... 20th date and he's on a first date. Yeah, I think that that's probably true, but the hallmark is not nuanced enough to explore sure. that. And also, like, also, crucially, she's not doing this voluntarily. She's just, she's deciding that she wants to get to know him as the the thing that she's going to do with her time. You know what I mean? Sure. She's being forced into this situation and has decided that he is worthy of, of this. He's the, he's the thing she wants to choose. So I think that, like, I don't know. There is something different because I think that she is not coming at this from the perspective that Kaylee Cuoco was coming. Uh, of course, a hundred percent. So I think she might. I think she might steer the date in a different. She might be better at steering the date in different directions. Is what I mean. Yeah, I agree with you. Like we do tell the same five stories when we get to know someone. Right, and you ask the same questions, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like no matter even if she can elicit new information from him. He's still going to want to know the the same things about her that she's already told him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's going to be a little boring for her. No, because he's, he's Max. He's super interesting. He's a woods hunk. He is a woods hunk. When he showed up, I was like, oh, who is this more handsome man? <laughs> Immediately, you are more handsome than your brother. Yeah. So he's, he's a very cute when he's in the woods. And then they have him in this terrible suit. They have him in that terrible suit. And I think they make him like shave his scruff. And I'm like, okay. He's fine. Fine. Should we talk about Peter and... Sure. Okay. I mean, there's so much to unpack with 
all the food stuff, which I think we will do in the feminism section. Um, But in terms of their love, um, when she asks him why he wants to marry her, he says, we both love opera, golf, and crossword puzzles, which I thought is basically just the bachelor formula of how you fall in love, is you have to have three interests in common and then talk about those for the, the rest of your life, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think those were terrible things. I also, like, he also said... That she was, like, beautiful and and nice and smart and stuff. And she was, like, but more specifically. And it's the sort of thing where it's, like, yes, of course, there should be more specifics. But there are versions of the movie where it's, like, those are the things that the romantic lead would say at the very end. Right, right. We both love opera, golf, golf. Right, and, and like, and you're the most beautiful, intelligent woman I've ever met. And, like, that's that's it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually really funny. Without the music underneath it, I don't believe it. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> also, Max asks her why she wants to marry Peter. And she says, he makes me feel safe and cared for, and he loves me and doesn't try to change me. Which, which he, he does, does try to change her. <laughs> but regardless, those are good reasons. No, totally. Like, I, people I act that. like that is, people are like. Safety. <laughs> <laughs> Care. Care. And it's like, it's like, those are good reasons. And also, like, it makes sense, which the movie sort of addresses, but doesn't, the movie addresses it as like a reason, but doesn't sort of give her grace for it, where it's like, she lost both of her parents very young. In the molasses factory accident. In the molasses factory accident. It makes sense that she craves safety more than she craves, like, passion, passion and risk. Yeah. And, like, and that's like okay, that's right? Fine. Especially because we know statistically, passion tends to fade. Someone who makes you feel, and obviously Peter sucks, right? Like separately, but like just wanting to be with someone who makes you feel safe, like that that feeling would pro- will probably last a lot longer than the passion. Yeah, I think so. Although I I don't trust her when she's saying that. Because sure. Yes, he, because he we've is, met Peter. He's like the least safe person I've, I've ever seen. But yes. But I'm just saying, if we were taking her at her word, people are, like, listening to her and being like, you are, you, those are stupid reasons. And I was like, those are not stupid reasons. Again, if she was saying that in the pouring rain to a a guy at the end of a movie being like, you make me feel safe and cared for, we'd be like, yes. (laughs) Safety. No, that's so true. And then she would, and then she would kiss him and there would be passion and we'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. But I did like, I did like the you got to take a hundred long walks and talk for a thousand hours. That was like a nice motif. I don't know. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. Um, I, oh. I think the, the essential problem at the, at the heart of the romance of this movie, the romance we're supposed to be rooting for, is that, unfortunately, she has been engaged to this man's brother. Right. And you Which really, is going to be a big issue moving it's, forward. It's going to be a big issue moving forward. I, I understand that we're supposed to root for them. I understand that they're supposed to have some sort of mystical connection. However, she did go all the way to getting engaged to this guy's brother. Sure. And, so, and not only is it going to be an issue with Margaret, her future mother-in-law, mm-hmm. and Peter, her future brother-in-law, slash, slash ex-fiance. ex-fiance. Even if the family is fine with it, there's at least a million people who have watched her get engaged to this man's brother on YouTube. I didn't even consider the fact that they're in the public eye. 
And Peter has said he, like, wants to be the next Dr. Phil. So, like, he's going to go become Dr. Phil. And the media is immediately going to be, Us Weekly is immediately going to be like, guys. Can you believe? Can you believe? It's like the Hannah Brown situation, but even worse. Yes. If you follow Bachelor Gossip, you understand. If you don't, you don't care. So. Don't worry about we'll it. move on. Yeah. It's, it's uh, logistically a non-starter. <laughs> like, it just seems like a bad plan. Yeah. But you know what? Now she runs on impulse. She's not. She's not a planner. She doesn't care. She's doesn't not afraid care of about water. Anyone's feelings. <laughs> she's not afraid of water or other people's feelings. Okay. The one solve for this that I think maybe could have made this okay or like made everyone feel okay in the end, which would never happen in a Hallmark movie, but would be a solve for this, is if Peter turned out to be gay. Mm. And then he was like, I didn't want to marry you anyway. I'm actually gay. And then you're like, oh, okay. Like, that's why you were, like, being such a weirdo. Like, you were just closeted and, like, yeah. acting out. Maybe you should be with this priest behind us. Yeah. Obviously, Who also clearly gay. Also obviously gay. The very gay <laughs> priest. And then he would be like, and I love this man. And he turns to the priest and they kiss. And then everyone's like, oh, okay, this is weird. But, like, cool. Now everyone can be happy. And there's, like, an explanation. But instead, it's just like, no, like, I don't know. We'll just break up. And I'm a little sad. Like, yeah, that's that's my one solve for it. Yeah, but Hallmark would never do that. Hallmark would never do that, so we couldn't have that. We couldn't have that. It we just had to be like, this is fine. Well, the uh, what Hallmark tried to do is like, well, Peter didn't really want to marry her anyway. His mom just wanted him to be chief of the hospital and thought that like having a wife and stability, even though, okay, I'm sorry, if you if you're doing the whole thing where you want to have a wife, like look like you have the perfect like family life stability, blah 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 to become chief of the hospital, you definitely also want a kid. Right, which, first of all, they have not spoken about whether they whether or not they want to have kids. And the day before their wedding, they like decide that this is the time to talk about it. They don't decide. She's just like, hey, do you want to have kids? And then he is like, no. no. Um, <laughs> and then you? he's like, yeah. And then, But then he also like comes up with this crazy plan to like have her give birth on live television, which he's seems like, bad. If in a few years you still want one, we can have one and you'll give birth on live TV. It'll be great. Yeah. Anyway, he's bad. He's bad. But also, <laughs> he would definitely need to have, if it's true that being married would help you become chief of the hospital. <laughs> if we just accept that that's the case. Then... It is also true, right? Like, if this is true, what else is true? It is also true that you probably need you need a, a kid to yeah, that equation. Yeah, to, to complete the picture. Right, which brings us back to Rugrats in Paris. Can you tell me about Rugrats in Paris yes, now? you've never seen Rugrats in Paris? No, I have, but I don't remember this chief of the hospital plot line. Well, so, okay, so the whole point is um, Chucky's dad meets the, the, like, person who runs the Reptar corporation okay like what's meant to be like disneyland right Right. reptar world reptar world and or she's like almost chief she's like assistant chief i don't remember exactly what her title is but she like wants to be chief and they're like we're never gonna make you chief unless you have unless you have a family right right and the the thread there is because it's like a kid's toy or whatever right is Maybe? that why? I don't know. I don't I don't remember the okay, why. Fair I'm enough. sure it very thinly is something <laughs> like that. And so she decides that she's going to marry Chucky, uh, Chucky's dad and become a stepmom to Chucky. Right, but she doesn't really like the kids. Right. Yeah, okay. This is this is starting to and, come back to me. Uh and then um Kimmy's mom is her assistant and Kimmy's mom and Chucky's dad end up falling in love. Right. And I, then Chucky's first word is no. And he runs into the, the wedding 
screaming no, and that's his first word. Okay, cool. You remember this? Yeah, okay, coming yeah back this is coming back to me. Anyway, so this movie reminded me of Rugrats in Paris. <laughs> I will also say, like, he's pretty upfront about this chief at the hospital thing. Like, her sister picks up on it right away. Yeah. And she seems just, like, fine with it. <laughs> um, she seems like she has no real opinion about him, like, in general. Like, she's yeah. just kind of like, this guy is around and I'm going to... Uh, yeah. yeah, he asked, I mean, it's... So. Yeah. She's like, I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. She's like... But also, right before I was reminded of Rugrats in Paris, when he proposes, he says, and I think she questions the how fast it all is, she's, he says, when you know you're going to spend the rest of your life with someone, then what's the point in waiting? And I was like, we are, we are paraphrasing. <laughs> so close. So close. We are paraphrasing when Harry met Sally just enough that we do not get sued. It's, it's a reference, okay? It's not, it's not plagiarism if it's a reference. Good Lord. Another yeah. movie that we should probably rewatch now that it's fall. Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Into that. Rugrats in Paris, followed by... <laughs> when Harry met when Harry In that order. Yes. Here's the thing about movies, though. They tell you, you never reference a piece of art that is better than what you are making. Yeah, that is true. That's a that's an important rule. So do not reference When Harry met Sally or Rugrats in Paris, because both of those pieces <laughs> of art are better than this Hallmark movie. I'm so sorry. I mean... Yeah, they should have known. They really should have known before they tried to besmirch the name of Rugrats in Paris. <laughs> I did love that they made Peter call his mom mother the whole time. Loved that. Until Big... the very end, until he stood up to her. Did you notice at the very end when he stood up to her, he called her mom? Oh, I like that. I did not notice that. Big um, Trey from Sex and the City on energy with him and calling his mom mother. That's the Kyle yes, McLaughlin yes, yes. character. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, Kyle yes. McLaughlin's character who marries um, Charlotte. Charlotte and they have like a very weird marriage and he is, it's a very similar vibe. Wouldn't be surprised if it's like a direct, again, another direct reference. To art that is, that is better. Yeah. <laughs> One more question about Peter. Why does he seem like a horny for stars? I think he's having a similar moment that she's having after their wedding, right? Where he's sort of like, I just married this woman I don't really love, basically, because my, like, mom wanted me to. They're both, they both are sort of grappling in their own ways with, like, having just entered a loveless marriage. And I think that's just what he's doing. Okay. I don't think he's, I think I he don't just know. wants to I be don't alone. know. That's, I get that. Because after he, like, brings her into the bridal suite, they like have like a, a sad kiss and then he is like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go look at the stars. <laughs> In like a way that like yes, I think that is the, the what we're meant to get is that he's like, you know, trying to grapple. He wants some alone time. But I also think he like wants some alone time with the stars because he like <laughs> wants to fuck the stars. I don't know. I I'm not sure. That's just what I was picking up. Well, he clearly wants to be famous, so star fucker. He's a star fucker. Right, I guess that I guess that tracks. Anyway, I am on board with Max and Jacqueline by the end. I think they have some nice moments together. They spend a thousand hours, have a thousand talks, whatever. When they first meet, they're really trying to make us be like, these two are... uh, Opposites? No, they're... I mean, that. Sure, yes, obviously. But, like, they're really trying to, like, get us on board so fast that I'm like, hold on. (laughs) Because it's just, like, so fast. They've been walking, like she says an hour. We've seen them on screen together for like 30 seconds. And he's immediately like, you seem like you're pondering something. Are you regretting a decision? And 
She's like, I met you an hour ago and you think you know me. And he says, I know you're thoughtful and kind and a little neurotic. And I'm like, how do you know she's kind? <laughs> like, yeah, she's been nothing but like quite mean to you, actually. <laughs> and like not accepting of your very willingly provided help. Right. Um, I just... And then he surprised kisses her, which is like, again, you know, we're blanket against. It seems fine because she seems, she does seem to be into it. Yeah. But also, I still don't love it, right? She's, you're trying to help this woman who's lost in the woods. Like, she's alone. She's vulnerable. Yeah, it's not great. She's not, she has not been really open to you. It's not like she's been offering her, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I just sort of, it felt very rushed when, I feel like they really wanted us to get to a kiss. They had to. They needed the kiss. They needed the kiss to, like, spark the rest, the conflict. Because otherwise it would just be like, oh, we just have, like, a weird energy. Right. And they wanted, I guess, them to get to to argue. I don't know. I just, I, they didn't pull it off. No, I agree with that. But, but I was into it by the end. I, I also think that their kiss at the end was super tame. And I was like, is Hallmark punishing us because we had a kiss before the last scene? Ooh, possibly. Although usually the Hallmark kisses are pretty tame. Yeah, I feel like we get a little bit more, a little bit longer of a kiss than we got here. Yeah, they went from kissing to cuddling very fast. It was pretty cursory. Yeah. So I was like, are they punishing us because they kissed early in the movie, which is very rare for a Hallmark movie. Yes, true. I don't know. I feel like the whole time she's like, Peter is safe and reliable, and her sister's like, that's what I want in a vacuum cleaner. And then by the end, she's like, I want the scary, messy love. And I just want to point out, Max also seems like he will take care of her and be safe. He seems like a pretty good dude. Right. So it's like, he also, like, you also, you want both things, right? You don't want a guy who is, you just have, like, passionate love, but you don't trust him and he doesn't make you feel safe and you don't think, you don't know if he's going to stick around. (laughs) Like, you do want both things. Like, that's the thing is, like, you just don't, basically, you were settling for Peter, who you didn't love, and, like, you, you do, you love Max, you have feelings for Max. But also, like you can have, you could, you can have feelings for someone who is also safe and reliable. Like you could, you want both things. You don't just want somebody right. it's passionate. Not, you it's don't not just want either, somebody safe. Yeah, it's right. not an either or proposition. It doesn't have to be. And yes. the the these movies always make it out to be right. th- those are your choices. And you know, if we learn nothing from moments in the woods, from the is it always the woods, and is it always and is it, is it always, always or, or is, is it, it never, never and. and? That's what woods are for. Yeah. Specifically, the woods where a hunky man hangs out. Sure. Yes. <laughs> and surprise kisses you. That's wow. also what happens. Wow. This movie's also referencing into <laughs> Complex. Is complex artistic references. Um, anything else you want to say about their love? Do you think it'll stand the test of time? No, because it's too complicated. It's too complicated with the whole brother situation. Sure. I don't think that is going to work out well. I also did feel bad for Kate because when before Kate finds out that uh, Jacqueline kissed Max, yeah. when they're walking back from the rehearsal dinner, um, um, Jacqueline's like, okay, you know Max? And Kate's like, yeah, that handsome single doctor. Yeah. And it seemed like Kate's maybe like going to be like, hey, you want to hook me up with him? Like, I'm clearly very it is, handsome and single. It is her right as the maid of honor to be hooked up with the handsome single doctor. Yes. So you're right. Justice for Kate. Yeah. Jacqueline's now had both brothers. It's bullshit. Justice for Allie Liebert, justice for Kate. Which brings us to... Ladies, did we just time travel back to the 1950s? This is where we talk about all of our intersectional feminism woes. I have two main ones that I 
uh, find equally important, and I don't think you are going to find them equally important. <laughs> Just letting <laughs> okay, you know. Okay, I'm very excited to hear. All right, so first, obviously, we got to talk about the wellness grift. Oh my god, it's so bad. But I mean, he's meant to be the villain. Right. So in some ways, I'm like, yes. But in other ways, I'm like, I have to hear this over and over again. Yes. One of Peter's main attributes is that he's a real, like, big healthism guy. He wrote a whole book about best practices to make your heart happy. But his two main things seem to be diet and exercise. Right. And diet and exercise in a way that is extremely restrictive and... Unrealistic. Unrealistic in terms of expectation. (laughs) And punitive, also. So, like, one of the first lines of the movie, Kate is like, oh, you're still not eating caffeine or gluten or sugar and Jacqueline says Peter says sugar is nature's sweetest poison and I was like oh no yeah the second <laughs> that hit I was like oh fuck he she says like he feels you need to shift your mind in order to shift your body when they first get to the venue he's like running and he says run for your heart and your heart will run for you yeah and I was like girl run run, run away from this man um And in his toast during the rehearsal dinner, he's like, she was beautiful and intelligent when I met her. And now that she's running and eating right, she's one of the healthiest women I've ever met. (laughs) Like, so creepy to describe someone that way. And also, so we met his parents and I was like, oh, is his dad going to have a heart attack? (laughs) Oh my God. And I honestly would have loved that. And for that to sort of like dovetail into the... No matter what you do, like, you can't predict life, like, you can't be safe. That blah, would be blah, good, blah. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because, because she tries to control her life in certain ways, but, like, he is doing the same thing. Like, they're both yeah. trying to, like, control their lives and... Yes. Yes. And, okay, I have a few things to say about this. I'm going to see if I can articulate these in, like, coherent points. Yes, I would have loved if his... Not that I want anyone's dad to have a heart attack, but <laughs> it would have been realistic if... His no matter what his dad ate or ran or whatever. I mean, I don't know if his dad listens to his kid, but like, I I know people who don't eat well and don't exercise and have had heart attacks. I also know people mm-hmm. uh, who have the the science teacher slash track coach at uh, our high school was in his like late forties. Was the track coach ran every day and had a heart attack and died running. In the exercise room before school. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I think that's the accurate story. Oh, God. Michael, I know you're listening to this. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, you can't predict it. And, no. And all of the science or quote unquote science about all of this stuff. Sure. I mean, there is. Is not necessarily settled. And there are yes. outside, there are outside, you know, cases. Like, that's probably an outside case. But also, like, yeah, it all feeds into Fat phobia, medical... Uh, Ableism. Mm-hmm. Healthism. And because here's, here's the thing, like, we do know some things, right? Like, we know that moving your body in some ways, if you can, is good for you. It's good for your physical health. It's good for your mental health. Extremes are not good for you in mm-hmm. any capacity, right? We dove in a lot to fat phobia in our click episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do it again here. But suffice it to say that, like, fat phobia is a lot worse for people than any other quote-unquote unhealthy habits. And also, right. underweight people have higher mortality rates than overweight people. But there even there was just a study in the New York Times, like, to today. I think it's still on my Instagram story. I'm going to read it. 
Researchers who study type 2 diabetes have reached a stark conclusion. There is no device or drug powerful enough to counter the effects of poverty, pollution, stress, a broken food system, cities that aren't walkable, and inequitable access to healthcare. Yep. That pretty <laughs> much like, covers it. And as the person who retweeted it, at Fat Fab Feminist retweeted it and said, fat activists have been saying this, but it's obviously much easier to blame individuals than to address systemic issues. Right. Which is obviously Peter's way of going about things is right. to blame right. individuals. Right. So like m- much more likely to contribute to your cardiac issues is like stress, which also restricting things you eat, not being allowed to have sugar or gluten or caffeine is a huge stressor. Mm-hmm. Feeling like you need to run miles every day or your fiancé will think you are a terrible person also feels like a huge stressor. (laughs) Um, Poverty is not having access to medical care. Like, these are all things... I don't know. I just, as a person in a larger body who does... I do plenty of exercise. I eat fine. That varied, balanced diet, whatever. I would not feel comfortable going to peter as a doctor i don't think he would treat me as as a whole human no he would probably tell you to lose weight and send you off without addressing your actual issues which happens all the time and And tell me to run long tell me to run miles and miles a day he seems like a bad doctor a bad boyfriend a bad right uh, pretty much everything like there's i there's nothing to recommend this man um but part the other issue is like the issue with like wellness grifters and like all of these things that that take things to the extreme is then they also get mixed up and he also is like a big proponent of sunscreen and tells her Mm -hmm. that she should be wearing sunscreen which she should which she should like that's the problem is like then all these things get mixed together and it's like no people should be wearing sunscreen (laughs) you can wear sunscreen and try to to leave your bed once a day without becoming this guy yeah yeah and when it gets to this guy you know you're on the wrong track anyway i did appreciate that yes he was the the villainish and by the end again she has burgers and fries at the wedding and says to him eat what makes you happy so your heart smiles which you know i sure i agree i i mean yeah intuitive eating intuitive eating yeah that's that that is 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 a better way to live your life it is a less stressful way to live your life. It Overall, you probably end up eating a more balanced diet. You're less restri- likely to restrict and binge. Um, and also, here's the thing. Even if you're not healthier, even if it's not as healthy a way to live your life, you probably will be happier. Yeah. So, yeah. And you don't owe anyone your health. It's especially true. in this fucking country that won't even let you go to the doctor without having to pay thousands of dollars. Like, any, any individualized... Uh, blame for health stuff again in this especially in this country where the systems are designed to exacerbate poverty and make it so people are not encouraged to go to doctors for preventative care I just hard to stomach it's very hard to stomach but the thing about this movie in particular I appreciate that he's the villain but we hear it we hear all of it so many times And they're just, like, hammering at home that, like, I don't know, like, I don't personally have a history with, like, eating disorders or stuff like that, like, in an extreme way. Everyone has their own, like, relationship to food and, like, all of this stuff, of course, that we all grapple with because that's the way society is. But, like, hearing it over and over and over again in this movie, I was, like, 
it made me feel like really yucky. I I know I knew where they were trying to take it, but like it was like weirdly triggering. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah. From the perspective of the movie, I just didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't think we needed it. He could be some. It could be terrible in other ways. Having to hear him say this stuff over and over and over again, like, was just yucky, and I I did not like it. Yeah. And also, I mean, it goes without saying, but I will say it anyway. She's only allowed to like fries and burgers and say... Right, of course, of course. Eat what makes you happy so your heart smiles, because she is a thin, conventionally attractive woman. Right. Yes. So no one is ac- no one is asking her about her health anyway. Right. Except, well, I guess, except for him. He's like... He, he, you know what? I will say, I don't, he, he is probably fat phobic. He's but, almost definitely fat phobic. But, I mean, we wouldn't know because there are no, we don't see him interact with any fat people, except I guess his mom would probably be overweight, but you know, she's older. It, it's different, different dynamics, but he's definitely a extreme healthism guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's hard to and watch it's like, that extremity. Sure. And it's also like, what happens if she gets sick? Right. What happens, like... Is he going to blame her? If What it happens if she develops type 2 diabetes, which people do develop later in life, people who aren't overweight, like yep. there's, again, people do not really understand how a lot of these diseases work. Yeah. Like, I don't know what happens if she gets sick or like what happens if, if she gets sick, for instance, or she even, like she gets cancer and then she can't exercise. Right. Then what? Yeah. What happens if, or she like loses a leg or gets paralyzed or whatever, like. Yeah. He's going to be fucked up about it. Yeah. Or turn it into inspirational content for oh, his. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either way, bad. Okay. Do you want to hear my equally as important? I would love feminist- to hear the feminist issue that you're going to bring up next. Okay. So this movie happens in 2015. Yes. I miss skinny jeans. <laughs> wow. Very millennial cringe of you, Paige. <laughs> I know. I. Currently wearing very baggy, very on trend jeans. Okay, They're so don't cute, come though. for me. And don't you feel more comfy than when you were wearing skinny sure, jeans? Sure, but like, yes. But these, I can only wear like I have to really think about the top I am putting on. Yeah, because I can't wear like a big baggy top. Yeah, skinny jeans did kind of go with everything, didn't they? Yes, and I felt like uh, I was very aware because I went to my office today. I didn't go to court, obviously, in jeans, but I did was in my office today, and I was very aware I was wearing jeans. Whereas in, if I was wearing like dark skinny jeans. And uh, like a nice top and a blazer, yeah, I wouldn't think about it. That's true. Dark skinny jeans hide a multitude of sins. Yes, and they're like honestly, in some ways, more flattering. Like these jeans again, these particular jeans I'm wearing, which are like nice, fun, baggy jeans from Madewell. I highly recommend Madewell jeans. Madewell is not sponsoring this podcast, by the way. By the way, if you. I don't know. I assume you have figured it out, but she's wearing skinny jeans throughout a lot of when she's not in her wedding dress because this is 2015 and we were wearing skinny jeans in 2015. Right. So that's why I'm like, I miss skinny jeans. She looked great. <laughs> She's wearing a sweater and skinny jeans and I'm like, wow, what a great silhouette. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily miss skinny jeans, but I miss what you're talking about with the versatility. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most of my jeans are not cool enough right now. I've been telling you that I need, yeah. I need a different pair of jeans. Because my jeans are like straight legged and they, I haven't gone full baggy. Yeah. I haven't found any real, like, I either have to go skinny or baggy. I haven't really found a straight leg that works for me. Mm, and it's mm-hmm. just, like, really hard. I really, like, for a minute there, I understood jeans. <laughs> I feel like I no longer understand jeans. <laughs> for a shining jeans. moment. <laughs> okay, I think this conversation has run its course, but. <laughs> 
I just wanted to say I miss them. All right. Well, that is a feminist issue. Thank you for sharing, Paige. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have other feminist issues? Well, we've hit we've hit upon this several times, but the whole white savior plot. Oh yes, of course. Extremely rough. Yes, uh, I will also take this time to point out that um, I think the only black person I see in the whole movie, the only person of color we see in the whole movie, including in the giant wedding scene full of guests, is the black DJ. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, giant wedding scene, like a hundred guests. Yeah, enormous. And the only person of color is working at the wedding. Yeah, not good. Anyway, and also uh, Africa is mystical. And also Africa is mystical. And has things to teach us. Yes. Please talk about that. I I think we've we've hit upon it, but like his whole thing of like, I worked in Africa and all the African people are so inspiring to me because they have nothing and I am here to save them as a white man. It's a, it's a very bad look. Um, Mm -hmm. We're past it. We're very, we're very past that. Even in 2015, it's very much the, like I went to on a mission trip and I took a picture with a dark skinned child um, and now it's my Tinder profile And now picture. it's my Tinder profile picture. Yeah, yeah, we hate it. Another thing that's interesting is that she talks a lot about wanting to see the pyramids and, like, mm-hmm. visit Egypt, which is, like, of course, that's, like, the one white person point of reference in Africa. And she's, like, privileging it in a way that, like, the rest of Africa, the rest of Africa where he uh, is mm-hmm. a humanitarian is, like... I mean, to be fair, she is an architect and she says she wants to see them because it's the, they're like the oldest structure standing. I mean, sure. Yeah. But it's just an interesting dichotomy and yeah. something that, you know, Western culture, uh, I think, like, does a lot is like try to separate Egypt from the rest of. Yeah. And also, yes, it. she says it and then he does not push back at all. Yeah. And be like, He's just like, yeah, of- I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> and also there's other parts of Africa. I also thought it was um, unrealistic to Peter's character that Peter bristled so much when she was like, I would like to go on a honeymoon to Egypt. And he was like, oh, no, we definitely would go to Hawaii. And I'm like, the movie told us that he just went to Africa. So clearly he's not against going to Africa. Wait, Peter went to Africa? Yes. Oh, I forgot that. She says, she says, like, when she's talking about, like, how, what a good person he is, she talks about how he just, he just did heart surgeries at oh, a clinic in right, Africa. Right, right. Yeah. And then when he his when Max shows up, he's like, This is my brother Max, he works in Africa. That's why I was why there. I was there. Right, right. Okay, I forgot. So about I'm like, that. clearly he's not against going to Africa. So that's just sort of felt like at that point they were sort of caricaturing how bad of a person he was when I was like, You already told us that he traveled to Africa. <laughs> I don't think he'd be against going to Egypt. No, he hates Africa. <laughs> he has such a bad time there that he's never going back to the entire continent. Even the, the the Egypt part. Yeah. Well, it's also, they do the thing in this movie of just, like, Africa is just, like, right. a monolith. <laughs> but, like, there's so many countries in Africa yes. with so many different cultures. Like, yes. come on, people. And a lot of them do have internet and YouTube and computers. Like, yes. A lot of them don't, aren't just, like, huts where nice white Most doctors Most of them show are up. not. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And a lot of them have their own doctors, yeah. It's yeah. just like... Completely out of control. And, again, like, the white savior narrative, very bad. And it's also, like, it also masks the fact that, uh, again, we have a lot of people who could use free doctors in this country. Yeah, yeah, that's always, that's always 
left out of this conversation. Right. It's like we believe we believe in national health care, but only in Africa. Right, where we can proselytize, probably. Yes. Which is always part of this that they don't talk about. Proselytize and colonize. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Fun. All right, cool. Fun, fun, fun. Good stuff. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay. Is, is it, it the, the best, best of times or the worst of times? Here's where we talk about if you should watch it, in what context. We rate it on our doomsday clock on a scale from noon to midnight. Noon being notoriously, it's so bad. Gouge your own eyes up before you watch it. And midnight being notoriously, it's so good. It's like a party in your eyeballs. You should watch it right now. Please, please. You should watch it right now. You should watch it right now. Nothing is everything. <laughs> Have we not talked about that commercial? I don't here think yet? we have. Oh wow, guys! My favorite commercial. <laughs> it's for uh, this. I think eczema ointment. It's called Sky Rizzy. <laughs> <laughs> also not a sponsor. <laughs> Things are getting clearer. Yeah, I feel free to bear my skin. Yeah, that's on me. Nothing in me go hand in hand. Nothing on my skin. That's my new plan. Nothing, Nothing is everything. <laughs> Helena, can you please confirm for them that, like, I just started singing that. I did not Google the lyrics. No, I did no. Not look it up. No, no. Paige knows that song, like, the back of her hand. It's her favorite song, actually. It's my favorite song. It's her go to karaoke number. I wish. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be incredible. <laughs> I'm going to go to, like, a piano bar. Like, Do you know um, the Sky Rizzy theme song? No? Okay. No? I, I can play it. Move over. <laughs> Okay, right. sorry. So, what would you rate this? <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Um, okay. On a scale from noon to sky receiving. <laughs> <laughs> this is really getting wide. Um, let's see. I would say that this. I mean, it's not the worst Hallmark movie I've ever seen, but like having to listen to Peter Wellness Grift for like an hour and a half, and also the whole um, White Savior thing. Not good. Also, the acting is, like, very bad. Like, we didn't mention it, but, like, there's not yeah. there's not a whole lot of internal moments happening. Sure. I would say, though, this movie is one of those ones where the acting is, like, so bad, so Hallmark bad, that it's, like, good again. Yeah, that it's, like, in its own category. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Um, I guess I'd give this, like, a, like a six. Like... It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It, if you want a Hallmark movie, you can yeah. watch it. It definitely scratches the Hallmark itch. It scratches the Hallmark itch. It's nice to have a Hallmark movie that's not Christmas themed. Although I will say, I think the quality of the non-Christmas ones are worse. They put more, they put more money into the Christmas ones. For sure. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a six. It's watchable, but not good. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I was, like, having a lot of fun during it. Um, I I wish there was less... I wish there was less, like, get your runs in, get your steps in, and I wish there was less when I was in Africa. Just, yeah, so I'll, echoing all the things Helena said. But um, the main guy is pretty cute, and despite his bad suits, <laughs> I just... And like the two of them together, it sort of works. If you if you forget that she's got to deal with the fact that she used to be engaged to his brother, right there, and yeah, um, I like the relationship with her and her sister. That's yeah, nice. that's sweet. They're very cute together. That's, I had that in my my romance section. We didn't cover it. They have like a lovely sister love arc. 
I bet you those two characters would have gone as Elsa and Anna for Halloween. Aww. Post Frozen. Stop. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a good time, but it's also very, it's also like not, not good and problematic, so. I'm gonna go six as well. I'm gonna be a, a follower. You're a follower. Because I echoed a lot of things you were saying anyway, so that's it. We agree. Yes. Well, uh, get excited for our spooky Halloween spooky. episode. Spooky, what could it be? A special spooky guest. The spookiest guest of them all. <laughs> all right. We'll be back in no time at all.